Welcome to Global Chit Chat, the podcast that helps you navigate the international employee benefits landscape. I'm your host, Leticia, and in today's episode, we will explore one of the hottest topics in global benefits management, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I'm Alex, today's fact checker, and together we'll take you on a benefits journey around the world. So let's get started. Our guest today is Rafina Ali. Rafina is a senior consulting leader in our greater New York region. She co-leads the 20 chapters of Aon's Women's International Network, and she's also a member of Aon's North America DEI Committee. Thanks for joining us, Rafina. Thanks, Leticia. It's great to be here. I must say, we did a great job with diversity in this episode. If we include Francis in the production room, we have female-male representation, three generations, four cultural backgrounds, five different languages, different sexual orientations, and different religious points of view. Anyone might even think that we planned this. (laughs) Yes, I've been looking forward to this conversation. Should we dive right in? Absolutely. Okay, I want to peek into your DEI story, Rafina. Everyone experiences DEI through their own lens, right? What does DEI mean to you? What does it look like for you? Thanks, Leticia. DEI to me is the appreciation of everyone's background, culture, and points of view. I'm a Muslim American immigrant from a very traditional and loving family. So my points of view are similar, but yet different to yours or anyone else, Leticia. I was always taught that education and family comes first and the sky is the limit and hard work and independence. So I grew up thinking I could do just about anything if I'm committed and dedicated and I never took no as an answer. Sometimes that got me in trouble. DEI is being given the opportunity to be part of something and not being judged because you are different or have a different path or circumstance of getting there. So I'm curious, Leticia, what does DEI mean to you? I can frame my DEI point of view with a really quick story. I'm from Puerto Rico, so of course, baseball is in my blood. When I was 12 years old, back in the 70s, I was watching a baseball game with my dad, and I told him very seriously, I may add, that I wanted to be the first female umpire for the Major League Baseball. He paused for a few seconds, probably trying to find a kind way of telling me that I should have picked a more female-friendly sport, and he responded, you can be whatever you want to be. Just finish college first, and then we'll have this conversation again. So the next day, when I came back from school, I found a copy of the Major League Baseball rules book on my bed with a handwritten note from my dad saying, everything you need to know is in here, and you're going to have to prove that you know it all if you're really serious about this. So I grew up believing that being a Latin female was not an impediment as long as I worked harder than anyone, and that being different could be an advantage as long as I could prove my worth. Great story. So did you pursue baseball? No, but go Giants. (laughs) And this leads me to a question for you. Ten years ago, no one was talking about DEI. Why is this such a hot topic for so many employers today? Why now? First, I do agree. Female empire will be in the works very soon. (laughs) To answer your question, it's because the world has changed. The composition of the workforce has changed. It's more diverse. It's more talented. Companies are looking for ways to support that diverse workforce. There are external pressures from government and other stakeholders, current and prospective employees that are demanding change. 
employers are finding that the needs of the generations are different. Millennials are different than what baby boomers or Gen X are asking for. And then there's the great war on talent and the great resignation. You mentioned a diverse workforce. Let me pick at that idea for a bit. What are some of the advantages of having a diverse workforce? And then on the flip side of that, what, in your opinion, are the challenges? So I'll answer the advantages. You know, studies have shown, Leticia, that DEI have the potential to increase revenue, profits, customer base. The diversity of thought helps to increase employee engagement, and therefore it helps to increase employee retention. It increases innovation. It creates more flexibility and even more efficiency. Some of the challenges are, you know, what areas are employers going to choose to address? Are you going to adapt to everyone? What's your budget? And what's your timeline for doing so? You make a great point. Every person might have their own DEI needs. And when we look at this from the employer perspective, how much support is enough? I believe, Leticia, that employers really want to do the right thing. But we're like everything else. There are boundaries and limitations from a business perspective. Companies are looking at this from a benefits point of view, and they're asking, you know, is it the same for everyone? For example, do males have different benefit needs than females? Of course they do. Do benefits support the needs of your LGBTQ plus population everywhere in some countries across the globe? And if they do, you know, what about cultural restrictions and regulatory restrictions? Before we go further, we want to put some context around how expansive this topic can be. And to frame that thought, my co-host Alex has some data that will help us understand a few of the lesser-known drivers of DEI programs. Alex? Thanks, Leticia. Let's look at a few diverse stats. We speak extensively of gender equality when discussing compensation, but one aspect of DNI that is very rarely discussed is women's health. In fact, 20% of women in the workforce are in the menopause age group. And a fact that struck me is that 25% of menopausal women consider leaving their jobs because of their symptoms, and one in 10 actually do. Another area not commonly discussed, the need of caregivers. 72% of employees that are taking care of their parents or children have reported that they're struggling with their mental health. 62% are considering leaving their jobs in the next six to 12 months. And 67% struggle with financial burdens associated with being a caregiver. Another area, LGBTQ population. And specifically, gender reassignment support is often top of mind when speaking of benefits DNI initiatives. However, while 5% of women in the US alone identify as LGBTQ+, they are underrepresented at every stage of management, more so even than LGBTQ men and they face more inappropriate comments and sexual harassment at work than all other colleagues. There's simply more to be done. All this to say that DNI is a multifaceted subject touching many aspects that are not always taken into consideration when discussing DNI workforce needs. These are surprising statistics. But again, they represent a small portion of the dynamics that are shaping DEI programs, right? Based on your experience, are employers really committed to DEI? Do you think there is genuine support from senior leaders for all DEI initiatives and not just for some? Yes, I do believe employers are committed to DEI, some more than others. As a matter of fact, we just published our Aon's 2022 Global DEI Survey, and it shows 
that 93% of companies have senior leadership support and sponsorship for DEI initiatives. The vast majority of the companies have identified colleagues responsible for leading DEI. Our survey shows a clear positive correlation between engagement and DEI policies. The survey further finds that eight out of 10 companies with higher levels of employee engagement have a clear internal definition of DEI. So I'll reiterate, I do believe companies are committed to DEI, but there's still a lot of work to be done. So we have to keep moving forward. One quick plug here. If you would like a copy of Aon's 2022 Global DEI Survey, please stick around until the end of the podcast and we'll tell you how to download a copy. So Rafina, what other concepts should we keep in mind when thinking more broadly about DEI? You know, Leticia, there are a few concepts that are very commonly known, right? We think about it for gender equality, fertility, and aging populations. But then there are others that are less obvious, such as time off and leaves. You know, how much time off should employers give employees and for what concepts? Is maternity leave just for a mom? Should single parents taking care of their family also have a paid leave? How about females that do not intend to have children? Should they get time off? And then there's religion. Should you be taking religion into consideration? For example, I'm a female Muslim. My equivalent of Christmas is Eid. I need to take a personal date to celebrate Eid. But the rest of the world, for the most part, gets Christmas off. Should employers think about this when designing their PTO policies? Then there's education. How much are companies supporting their employees' access to education? Are there tuition reimbursement programs? If you have one, does it still fit for purpose or should it be reevaluated? So based on the conversations you're having, if you had to pick the one DEI area that you think is the priority for employers, what would it be? I think it's mental health, Leticia. Alex mentioned it earlier on some of the stats, but I do think mental health crosses all the areas of what we're talking about, all the categories mentioned. If it's concerning to you, it's stressing you. If it's stressing you, it's distracting you. And if it's distracting you in the working place, it's making you less productive. We have a lot of work to be done in this space. And I think it's something that a lot of employees are concerned about. So let's talk strategy. What are the top things an employer should keep in mind when designing programs to support DE&I goals? I think first and foremost, you know, employers need to take a look at the composition of their workforce, understand their current demographics, what groups are they representing? And then, you know, what's your DEI philosophy and strategy? Do you have one? Should you be thinking about developing one if you don't have one? And then if you do have a strategy, does your current benefits and policies align with that strategy? How about your benefit programs? Do they support the diverse need of your population? And then taking a look at other programs, such as recruitment and compensation, and evaluating and addressing any potential systemic biases in those programs. And then lastly, you know, what's your budget? What's your timeline? How much are you willing to invest in this? And some things may cost you nothing and it's easy to do. And then there are others that may be a steep investment and it has a financial impact. So you have to be conscious of that too. And on that note, Rafina, thank you so much for being our guest and for sharing your knowledge with our listeners. Hopefully, we've been able to plant a DEI seed that will grow into a world that's more diverse, more equitable, and more inclusive. You're very welcome, Leticia. Thank you for the opportunity and such a great conversation. I appreciate it. And that's our show. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoyed our podcast. 
please leave a review or share your comments on social media. If you're interested in a copy of the Aeon survey, please visit aeon.com. Search for the 2022 Global Diversity, Equity and Inclusion Survey and fill out the download request form. And don't forget to join us on our next episode of Global Chit Chat when we discuss benefits in the United Kingdom.